Welcome to Career Crashers, where we tell the stories of those who are not content to wait around following rules and hoping for good things to happen. Great careers aren't found, they're forged. It's time to crash the party. On this episode of Career Crashers, I have a true living legend joining us. Christopher Lockhead is a two-time number one best-selling author. The books Play Bigger and Niche Down. He is a top 30 podcast with his podcast, Follow Your Difference. He has been an advisor to over 50 startups, a three-time chief marketing officer to publicly traded companies, and he is a marketing guru, a master. Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Isaac. So you have one of my absolute favorite career crash stories. When you grew up in, uh, I think it was Montreal, uh, you were not doing so well in the uh, academic route, so you decided to start a business. Can you tell me the story of Roger Pierce in Associate? <laughs> Roger is the guy who gave me my start. I owe whatever, whatever success I have had, I'll go back to uh, the, the, the legendary Roger Pierce. <laughs> So tell us the story, man. So um, I got thrown out of school at 18 for being stupid. You know, it turns out if you get enough D's and F's, they tell you you can't keep coming here. <laughs> and uh, I found out at 21 that I'm dyslexic and I've subsequently found out that I have dyscalculia and uh, like a whole bunch of these things. I just roll them all together and call it dysfuckleo. <laughs> so, you know, I got a bunch of these things. Um, but to answer your question on Roger Pierce, so, you know, I get thrown out of school and, you know, my, my dream in life was to be a musician and I don't know if, um, you know, you used to play, right? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, a little bit. Play? Yeah. A little bit. Not that well. <laughs> yeah. And me too. Ditto. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, bands are hard. The bass player's always leaving and the drummer's always sleeping with somebody, you know somebody screwing things up or, you know, whatever. Bands are mental, particularly when you're a teenager. Well, maybe they're mental now. I don't know. Anyway, and so I had a manual labor job. My mom got me a job as an orderly. And so I was doing that. And so, you know, my options at the time, Isaac, were uh, shave guys' balls for a living or start a company. <laughs> so, uh, so me and my buddy Jack started a company. It was at the sort of the dawn of the personal computer uh, revolution. And we wanted to start a programming and training uh, company as, as PCs were kind of becoming important in business. People were buying them, but didn't really know how to use them and what to do with them and so forth. So anyway, we saw that opportunity and we figured we'd set up a company to do that. I have no technical skills. Jack had the technical skills. I got the sales and marketing. So anyway, we, we're getting ready to start the business. And we think, well, who the fuck's going to buy from us? I'm 18. He's 19. Uh, and most like consulting firms are named after a person, you know? And so we thought, well, what are we going to do here? Uh, and so um, we made up a guy. <laughs> we thought that if we made up a guy that people would think there was like this 50 or 60 year old dude who was in charge and we were just these young dudes who worked for this dude. And so we grew beards to try to look older. And the guy we named up, uh, I was in Montreal, as you mentioned, and so we wanted a name that kind of sounded good in English and in French. So it was in, in English, you'd say Roger Pierce. And in French, you'd say Roger, which is what he prefers to be called. <laughs> um, so Roger Pierce et Associé en Français, or Roger Pierce and Associates. And Jack and I were associates. And, um, 
And so we made this guy up. <laughs> and so everybody thought, well, you know, we were younger partners or whatever. And there was an adult in, ch in charge somewhere. And, and so uh, that's so, how I got started with Roger so, and Jack. So is it true that the Pierce part of the name was inspired by uh, Pierce Brosnan on the show Magnum P.I.? Yeah, it was Pierce Brosnan. The show was actually called Remington Steel. Re not Magnum P.I., Remington Steel. That's right. Yeah. It was a popular uh, a private investigator show at the time on TV. And um, the fun thing about that show was the premise for the show was it was a private investigation agency started by a woman. And she was afraid nobody was going to hire her because she was female. This sort of, you know, takes you back in time, right? <laughs> and so she makes up a guy, Remington Steele. She makes up the name. And then she hires a guy to work for her to be the figurehead of the company. So the character Remington Steele is a made up guy. And of course, Pierce Brosnan played that guy. And so that's sort of how we got the idea. We're like, oh, we could make up a guy too. <laughs> so we took Pierce from Pierce Brosnan. And we sort of thought Roger sounded really, uh, as, as the French say, suave and de boner. So did it work? I mean, did you go out and say, hey, I'm, I'm Christopher from Roger Pierce. And, totally. Uh, and you got clients? Absolutely. And we, we had huge clients. I mean, uh, most of the major banks in Canada were our clients. Air Canada was a client. We had government agencies that were uh, clients. And, you know, the interesting thing is, and this just goes to show you the sort of audacity of being audacious. Most of the time, nobody ever even asked who Roger was or that, like very rarely. And, um, you know, so we just went out and did our thing. That's absolutely amazing. How did you get those first clients as somebody, you know, who was an orderly, who didn't have any, any, you know, fancy credentials. What was your strategy in going and getting the first couple clients? I didn't have any credentials at all, fancy or not fancy. My <laughs> credentials were getting thrown out of high school. I got the lead in the play two years in a row. So I had that going for me. Um, I could play some guitar and make a bit of a noise. And, but literally, um, I knew nobody. I had no relationships, absolutely no money. I come from what today you might politely say are modest beginnings. <laughs> <laughs> had a paper route from the time I was about 10 years old. And um, yeah, no relationships, no money, no education, and no experience. But other than that, had a lot going for me. And, you know, like a lot of entrepreneurs, when nobody will bet on your potential, you have to. Hmm. Right? Hmm. And so, um, so how I got clients, real simple. There was this thing um, before fire was invented called the Yellow Pages. <laughs> and it was this big, big, thick book that companies advertised in. It's how you found shit before the internet, right? So I would take the Yellow Pages. And if you had a full page or a half page ad in the Yellow Pages, I figured you must have a business that is doing reasonably well because that was an expensive thing to buy. And uh, I telemarketed your ass. Yeah. So you just cold called them up. And what were yep. the services that you offered them? Uh, computer training and consulting and custom programming all on the, this new platform called the personal computer. So there were lots of people who did this stuff, but there weren't too many who were specializing in it at the time. And there weren't too many people who were doing sort of custom stuff where we would we would build you a custom database. We would build you custom macros in, in spreadsheets back when that was a thing you needed to hire somebody to do. 
um, and we would teach you how to use the stuff and, and so forth. Did you ever worry that you were going to get a gig that you didn't know how to do and you couldn't make good? Like, were you, were you sort of selling ahead of your abilities sometimes? Oh my God. I, that, that was what terrified me every day. <laughs> and well, cause first of all, I didn't know, you know, I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't know anything about technology. Jack did. So I had to learn all of it on the fly and I made an ass of myself more times than I'd like to remember. Um, and, um, and yeah, we would get out in front of our skis and we would, you know, close some big deal. And then we're like, well, how the fuck are we going to deliver this? And then we'd have to find technical people. And, you know, we screwed up a bunch of jobs because, you know, we brought people in that we hadn't even met in person and rolled them into Air Canada and shit. And they were turned out to be idiots. And, you know, we made a mess and pissed off client. I mean, we were, ter- look, we were kids. We didn't know anything, right? Um, and look, we did do some good work for sure. You know, so we got it right. Uh, sometimes and we got it really wrong other times. <laughs> that's one of the that's one of the nice things about when you're just getting started, especially if you get an early start like that, where you don't have, you know, if you, if you sort of come out of a fancy school and you've got a degree in debt and you got all your parents' expectations, there's a little bit. It's still not that high, but there's a little bit of a higher cost if you screw up. But when you're real young and you don't have much to lose and your fallback plan is a, an orderly, like you can take some risks like that, you know. Yeah, I mean, the good news about having nothing to lose is you literally have nothing to lose. Uh, And, you know, the one motivating nothing to lose, though, a little less than nothing, is like, hey, if you don't close the sale, um, the old lady who collects the rent lives in the building. And, you know, this is not the conversation is not going to go well. So there was motivation there. But other than sort of having to meet the minimum amount to make the rent so I didn't get thrown out of my little dinky apartment. Um, other than that, I didn't have much to lose other than the dinky apartment. (laughs) So how did you, how did you, how and when did you move on from that consulting firm and what was the next thing? So we ultimately wrapped the Mustang around the lamppost, you know, so started at 18 and by 21, it was a complete disaster. Uh, Mostly because of the kinds of things you mentioned. We were, we did okay on the revenue and sales side. We did not okay on the delivery side. It was very uneven. And we did way not okay on the expenses side. So we discovered at 21, um, as the economy was going into a pretty big recession, that we had uh, amassed all this debt and uh, it was going to be really hard to dig out from underneath it. And the economy was tanking. And so we essentially, um, we didn't declare bankruptcy because I didn't feel good about doing that because I wanted us to be good to the financial commitments that we'd made. But we essentially just shut the business we took the debt, split it in half. Jack paid half. I paid the other half. It was $6,000, 12000 in total, which at the time felt like $12 billion. And, um, and then I got a job at another startup, a software distribution startup, and worked really hard to pay those debts back, um, paid them off in a year. Um, and away I went. And that job at the startup, was that somebody who had been a client of yours or you had met through the work that you were doing? Yeah, exactly. And this really is a testament to, um, you know, today they call it networking. But when anybody emails me or comes up to me at an event saying, I'd like to network with you, (laughs) my response is, I'd like to punch you in the face. Um, And the reason for that is I think people who want to, you know, interact with you for no real reason, it just, I don't know. But in this case, um, it was a, another entrepreneur, an older guy, probably in his 40s at the time, had a successful 
uh, software consulting business, and he was starting a software distribution business, again, in personal computer technology software. And I called him, his name was Bill Walker. And I said, Hey, Bill, we, you know, we wrap this thing around the lamppost and uh, we're kind of dead in the water. And he said, well, I'm sorry to hear that. Da, da, da. And he was always a very, you know, he's very kind to me. I think he saw something in me, which is cool. You know, I've had a lot of help over the years from older entrepreneurs. Um, and so he saw that and he said, I'm starting this company. Would you like to come and help me do this? And I said, yeah, I really need a, a J-O-B, man. <laughs> <laughs> I love what you said about networking. It reminds me of something that I, I think about a lot with learning as well. Like if you, if you learn kind of the way, that, the way that you're taught in school is sort of just in case learning. Like, hey, learn these facts in case you ever need them someday. And that's not, you don't retain it very well versus just in time learning, which is I've got a problem. I need to solve it. And in order to do so, I got to learn something new real quick. That tends to stick. And I think with networking, it's similar. Like, hey, I'm Isaac Morehouse. I'd like to add you to my network just in case there's ever a reason for us to talk to each other down the road versus, hey, I've got something right now that I want to do for you or a question I want to ask you. There's some reason we need to connect today, yeah. you know? Yes, that's exactly right. And, and, and that, that's how I feel. You know, I get this one a lot, the sort of, I want to network with you or some version thereof. And, and I'm allergic to that. I'm, I'm actually, uh, I've only really had this explained to me of late, but I'm, I'm what is known as a introverted extrovert. So while I'm mostly extroverted, I'm not the guy working the party, you know? And when I go to a particularly business event, less so at a social event, but even more, uh, more so at a business event, I don't, I don't go to networking events. I don't, I don't go to conferences. I don't do that stuff. And when I speak at one or for whatever reason I'm participating, I generally do my thing and get out or, you know, listen, if I'm going to go to the party or whatever afterwards, that's fine. But I'm not, I'm not going to go. Like I used to go to Ted by way of example. And I loved the content. I, you know, this is when Ted was still the early Ted when it was still in Monterey and all that. Not, not that it isn't great now. It is great. I think what they've done is incredible. But um, I was always uncomfortable, Isaac, going to TED because I loved um, the the stuff, but I hated the lunch breaks and the cocktail. I'm, you know, standing there at a cocktail party, and go, so what are you doing? It's just, it's, that's really not my my thing. <laughs> As we say, my jam. That's not my jam, man. Yep. No, I, and I, I hear when you. People contact me, contact me for a reason. Yeah. You know, yep. Say, oh, hey, I'd like to take you out for dinner. That's a good, that's a good tip. Have a reason. So let me, let me let you close it out with giving us a little uh, elevator pitch on follow your different. What do you mean by that phrase and what is it all about the podcast and what you're working on? Well, um, in some ways it's a, it's a response to um, the two, two stupidest pieces of advice we hear today, which is follow your passion. Absolutely mental, dumb, great way to take your passion and wreck it. Um, a great way to not get anywhere. We can talk about why. Uh, so you don't follow your passion. You bring your passion to something that you can um, make a difference in. That's the first thing. And, and, and the second one is probably more importantly, oh, and the second stupid advice is hustle. Dumbest thing ever. If you need to be told to work hard, you should probably go work at the DMV. <laughs> um, 
And by the way, who wants to rise and grind? Who invented that saying? No one wants to rise and grind. We want to rise and do legendary shit. That's what we want to do. <laughs> Stupid advice. But I digress. And the other big reason is, um, here's the aha. We live in a world that teaches us that the way to be successful is to fit in. The way to be successful is to compete, is to be better than somebody else. Um, the way to be successful is to color inside the lines. And when you take a step back and you really look at it, you, you ask yourself, who are the entrepreneurs? Who are the business leaders, the political leaders, the sports leaders, the social leaders, the artists, the musicians, the scientists, the researchers that you respect and admire the most? Whose books do you read? Who, whose stories do you gravitate towards? If you're like me, you will have this aha. And the aha goes like this. Pretty much everybody that I respect and admire, whether they're in my own life or you know, Nelson Mandela or Muhammad Ali or my other huge heroes, right? What they have in common is they are people who broke or took new ground. They are people who stood out. They did not fit in. They are people who had the courage to be different and connect their different to the world in a powerful way. And when the world gets your different, particularly around a problem, or a big unique idea, then they gravitate towards, um, they gravitate towards you. Mm -hmm. And so for me, um, what my podcast had become, Isaac, really is a celebration of the people, the ideas, and the companies who stand out. And so, um, you know, that's why I, I think we should celebrate our different and our when we do that, when we, when we celebrate our different, we also, there's an interesting corollary, right? We get our connectedness, mm. right? Mm. So if I can appreciate what makes you unique, then uh, you, have, you have room to be that unique, right? And then you make room for me to be myself and what makes me different. And so really, it's, a, it's trying to bring all that to the fore in a powerful set of conversations. Oh, I absolutely love it. We'll have links to all that stuff in the show notes. Christopher, next time you talk to Roger, tell him thank you for everything. And thank you for joining us on Career Crashers. My pleasure, Isaac. Thank you so much for having me. Like what you hear? Go to crash.co and join the career revolution. If you want to share your own career crash story, send it directly to me at isaac at crash.co. 